phrase, seeing is believing? I hear, whenever I hear that, I kind of go, mm. <laughs> seeing that, you know, that's the reason I don't, I don't, personally, it's just me, I'm not putting this on you, I don't like to watch movies about the Bible, or TV shows about the Bible, because faith comes by hearing, not by sight, right? And the world says seeing is, is believing, and the truth is, actually, seeing is just seeing, that's all it is. But faith comes by hearing. And believing isn't seeing. It's the opposite. It is believing is believing something without seeing it. Trusting faith. Brother Richard? Okay. It, it's without seeing it. It's the faith is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's, it's clear evidence, too. It's not just a maybe-so evidence. It's crystal clear evidence to us of things that are not seen. And uh, I would ask you this. Is it a feeling? Faith. No. It produces feelings. There's no doubt about that. There's emotions involved. But it's not a feeling. Uh, is it an impression that we get? You know, does the Lord lead us and impress us? Of course he does. That's not what faith is. Faith is, it's a multiple of things. It's a, it's a complex thing. There's saving faith. When, the Lord, when you're born again, the Lord gives you faith to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know you're saved. You'll never quit knowing that. You may have struggle, but you can't quit believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You just can't. God gave you that. that that's saving faith. And then there's the aspect that faith is the same, on the same plane as repentance. It's like the opposite side of the coin. Faith and repentance come together. They're inseparable graces. You turn from your sin to a new life to believe in God and trust in God. It goes together. And then there's walking by faith every day, trusting his word, trusting in the Lord, looking to him for everything. And then there's the faith, which is the doctrines that we believe, the faith that was once delivered to the saints, the faith. And then there's the aspect that faith is Christ. You read Galatians chapter 3, when faith came, that's talking about Christ. There's a time came when we have something we can really tangibly get a hold of in the gospel uh, more than they did in the Old Testament, and that's called faith also. And <clears throat> considering that, then it's, it's, it's multifaceted, and it's not the easy way to live your life. As Christians, that's our battle. I believe that's our battle is to not live by what we see. You know, and Satan's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and I thought a lot about, what's he devouring, Brother Larry? What is that? that it's your faith. He wants to gobble it up. That's what he wants to take your faith and, and gobble it up. He can do that. He can throw you off. Um, I would say to define faith is, is not necessarily simple, but it can be. To me, it, the more I grow in the Lord, the more I see in God's word, it's just to rest. Just to rest. My faith has found a resting place. Not in device nor creed. Not something I do or something that, that's not, not necessarily a doctrinal thing. It's in Christ. It's a person. Resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, James told us, I'll show you my faith by my works. But the faith isn't the works. See, it's, it's a resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to consider this morning, first of all, just this thought that faith isn't a feeling. Something you feel. It's resting. It's depending. And we take God at his word. We trust God's word, what it says. We believe it. Should we not? 
Has it ever let you down? Has it ever been proven wrong in any way? What happens to our feelings if we do not do that? You ever experienced that? <laughs> feelings take over. So do you see the difference between faith and feelings? Um, but by faith, we have peace. Look in Romans chapter 1. Hold your place in uh, Psalm 46. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5. Now, you can read these first few words a couple of different ways. <clears throat> and in the Greek, and I think Larry would probably support me on this, you can see it two different ways. Being therefore justified, stop, by faith we have peace. Being therefore justified by faith, stop, <laughs> we have peace. Either way, we have peace in faith. If we're justified, well, by faith we have peace because we're justified. Or we're justified by faith, therefore we have peace. But it's the faith that brings peace. Faith brings peace into our life. It's, it's, it's just that kind of thing. With God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we have peace through faith. So you say, well, how am I going to get peace in this situation or that situation? You're going to have to stop. As I said, I'm not, I'm not doing this well. I'm learning this to teach you. <laughs> Be still. <laughs> Be still. How do you have peace by faith? Well, it's not getting busy. It's just not. It's stopping. You have to stop. Like I said, my mom would tell me, Shh, or grab my face, look at me. Stop. When I was a little kid sliding with my boots in the grocery store, leaving black marks on the... <laughs> On the tile, she grabbed my ear, pulled me to the buggy. You know, you don't, you're not under control, but all of a sudden, you're under control. You know, and you're, you're at peace, and you're still. <laughs> well, that's the idea. <laughs> that's the idea. If not, we're going to go to the house, and we're going to learn to get still. And my mom's done that. She leaved the groceries at the buggy. Parents don't take time to do that now. My mom left the, bug, the groceries in the store, took me to the house, wore me out. They might arrest her today for what she did. And then bring, her, bring me back, <laughs> and I'm thankful for it. I needed more. But, and then I would walk right by her like a little statue soldier. And that's, that's the idea. Bring it in, you know. Peace. Be still. Stop. And that's the idea with this. We, ha- we have by faith, we have that. When we're still, we're stopped. But, see, the, now, my mom would bring me into that, and I, I'd have to trust her. This is what we need to do. Trust her. Well, that's the same thing with the Lord. Brother Larry, did you have something? <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, I was just thinking, some of those people in the story brought me back. Oh, yeah, they were like, finally, finally, got the, <laughs> finally saw that little brat doing what he's doing. My mom didn't have a lot of tolerance for that kind of stuff. She was really good to me, very good mother, but she did not tend to put up with that. Uh, <clears throat> so, so if we look through this, and you know the rest of the passage, 
It's all, this is all about what faith is and about being still in the Lord. It's the same thing in verse 3. Uh, we, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have that. We know that. But not only do we rejoice, rejoice in that, but we glory in tribulations. How are you doing there? We glory in it because when a tribulation comes in our life, we go, all right, here's an opportunity. You doing that? <laughs> so, well, I'm sure glad I got this. This is what I needed to glorify God with. And why? Because we know that it's working patience in our lives. It's working patience. But how's it doing that? By faith. We're still in the context of by faith. We have peace. And it's working that. And as Justin, he seared it in my mind here a while back. It's okay to be patient. I said, it's just, it's okay? He said, yeah, it's okay to be patient. And then we have, we, through tribulation, it works patience in us. The more troubles you have, the more you learn to be patient. And it seems like the Lord will, will do that to you. If you're not patient, then he'll give you some more until you are. He's intent on it. He's serious about your sanctification. He's going to do it. And he's going to make you that way. And then it says that patience is, brings experience. So when you have trials and you learn to be patient, be still, and know that I'm God, then you have experience. You can say, I'm a person that has experience. I'm a mature Christian. I'm growing in the Lord. It's all about patience. It's all about being still. It's all about trusting him regardless of the circumstances, right? So then that experience does what? Brings hope. As I can say, the last time I went through something like this, I got through it because I was patient. And now I can be patient, and I have experience now. So I have hope the next time. I have hope. And then that hope, you know, what's it do? It, 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 the love of God, therefore, is shed abroad in our heart. So you see a person that's really loving. They're either probably just saved <laughs> or they've been through a whole lot. <laughs> and if they're really, really tenderhearted, they've probably been through a whole lot of stuff. And they get to that place to where the love of God is just shed abroad in their heart through the experiences that they've had. They can't help but just love. The Lord's taken the, all of them out of them. And just left Christ in their heart. And that's the way he operates. If there's something you can accomplish in your own power. If it's something you can do, actively do. Then is that faith? Is that faith? It's not. Faith works by love, but it's not the works. They're the opposite. Faith, therefore, is just resting. Stop. Be still. I think the idea I get is like a, a, a storm is just swirling around you. You ever felt like that? Like it's just a, a storm is just swirling. Either it's grief in your heart that hurts so bad that the tears are welling up and you just like feel like it's going to collapse on you and you just stop. For some reason you're safe. Stop and look to the Lord. Maybe it's other people coming at you, things in life. Maybe it's Satan just nipping at your heels. Whatever it is, the storms of life are swarming around you, and there's like this safe place. And that's what verse 1 of Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge. Just stop. Give it to him. Will he take care of you? Of course he will. He will. If there's something that you do in your own power, you say, okay, here's the list. And this is what's what's wrong with psychology philosophy because they study human behavior and they say if you'll do this then this will fix this and it sounds so good and in the world it might make sense but the act, when you start doing 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 that means you're taking control of it 
And as a Christian, it's not your job. You're not trusting God if you're trying to take control of everything. And by by the way, I said, I'm not the example for this. I'm just learning. (laughs) I'm not the example of this. I like to fix stuff. And I keep sticking my finger in the light socket, getting shocked. I like to try to fix it. But as, as a mature Christian, the more we grow, what it's all about is just stop. Stop. You have to stop. And you have to give it to God. And it's deeper than that, and I want to get to that in a moment. And that's the basic, though. Give it to the Lord. And that's what everybody said. Just give it to the Lord and leave it with the Lord, which is not easy to do. So then, does faith operate in the realm of things that are actually possible? Think about it. Faith is where it's impossible. There's nothing you can do. As soon as you recognize that, the better. Faith operates in the realm of the impossible. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What's not seen is impossible in our mind and what we see. Faith begins at the very place where our power and ability ends. That's faith. And wherever you mix it, then you're, you're tainting one or the other. It's either by faith or it's by works. It's one or the other. Salvation is either by faith or by works. Well, sanctification is either by faith or by works. Walking with the Lord, trusting him through trials is either by faith or by works. And you can have two types of of philosophies on this as a Christian and teach. Well, okay, here's your problem. Here's what you do, 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 do to get out of that. Or maybe you can grow a little bit more in the Lord in your relationship with Christ and realize it's actually all about a relationship with Jesus Christ and stop. See, because, because you know what's always involved in the do this in order to fix this? It's what you want. How to get what you want. And that's not what we're seeking. We're not seeking what we want. We're seeking what he wants. And the only way to do that is to stop, listen, pay attention, hush. <laughs> you, got, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason, so you can hear twice as much. And stop and listen to the Lord and trust him. And so where our power ends, that's where faith takes over. And Jeff Harris was here last Sunday night, and he made a statement to me that I'll never forget. He said, God honors faith because faith honors God. And I've been thinking about that all week. This lesson came from his sermon last Sunday night, just things I was thinking of when he was preaching. God honors faith because faith honors God. God's not going to honor you trying to take over your circumstances and just fix them because you can't help but want them the way you want them. And I haven't found that the Lord really, really will get on my program. I haven't found him to do that. Sometimes he's gracious and they line up. (laughs) But the, the best time they line up is when I stop and say, I'd rather have your way. And that's easy to say when things are going your way. I want your way, Lord. So, so faith honors God because, or God honors faith because faith honors God. And without faith, what? It's impossible to please God. Impossible. So you doing, you trying to fix your problems is not going to do it. Yes.
Amen. Right. Right. So if you want to be right, it's going to be by faith, right? That which is not of faith is sin, regardless. Amen. Does faith say, I sure hope that the Lord works us out? Is that faith? No, that's me. That's, that's the way I look at it sometimes. Well, I don't know. That's not it. You know. If there's a scripture, you know. It's just not in your timing. But you know he's going to do what he says he's going to do. You know it. That's what faith is. And faith primarily is sure that what God says is true. What he says is true. And God will do what he says he's going to do. That's what faith is all about. And then there's maybe some next level thoughts. Whose way is better? Yeah, we know that. Who has the wisdom to deal with circumstances, issues, situations? He's the one that does. And why wouldn't we trust him, right? The only reason we wouldn't trust him is because we want it our way. And some of us fight really hard to get it. And he's not easy to beat. It's not easy to make him bend and get and do. He loves you, and he will if you if you you know if it's according to what he wants. <laughs> but he's not going to do it. So he has the wisdom. He has the the better way. He knows. As we grow in the Lord, then we begin to learn that faith isn't simply. And this is what it gets down to. I think, especially in Psalm forty six, getting to a place where you realize that faith isn't simply a mental ascent. And that's a big problem with the gospel preaching today is that if you can make a mental ascent to the gospel and you say, yeah, I believe that, then that means you're saved. But that's not what Romans 10 talks about. Romans 10 talks about believing with the heart, right? Notice there, if you would. I know that the battle, battles that we fight are in the mind and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pulling down the strongholds, right, and imaginations and things in our mind, and that we should let the mind of Christ be in us. That's true. But faith primarily is not just a mental thing. Notice uh, Romans 10, verse 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe what? In thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Does that change as we're walking with the Lord after we're born again? No, it's the same thing, right? If you believe in your heart, and what do we believe? We go right back to the gospel. We trust God with that, and then we're going to be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's the heart. It's a matter of the heart. And I think the more we grow in the Lord, the more we realize we come back to that. David didn't say in Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my mind that I might think clearly. <laughs> he didn't say that, right? Or have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee? And uh, although the, the battle often rages in the mind, it's the heart that faith deals with. Faith, as it grows and as we grow in the Lord, becomes more and more a matter of the heart. It's something that's just inside there. It's that groaning in your heart that says, Lord, I need you. And you sometimes you can't even speak. But it's that, that's faith of working in you. Uh, when trusting God by faith, by trusting his word in the trials of life, it's an act of a heart. It's something that affects your heart. 
And that's what changes us. When we're hitting the heart, that changes our life. And so it's a matter of the heart. Does God ever ask us then, therefore, and I'm going to just ask a few more questions and we're going to get into this chapter of the psalm. Does God ever ask us to trust what we don't understand? What's that? All the time. If you have to, you're waiting until you understand it, <laughs> to trust it, it's not going to work. And that's the, that's the world's problem. That's the reason the world rejects the gospel. They have to understand it before they're going to believe it. But we don't. And we understand a few things. But can you make sense of some of the trials in your life, some of the things that come up? You can't make sense of that. You don't know what God's doing. You really don't know. There's a thousand things connected to what's happening to you. And you don't fully know. Yes, Yeah, I'd much rather have God in control of bad things. I mean, but it's just very simple. God has a purpose for that night. Well, exactly, that's what I mean. I never know what it is, but that doesn't change the fact that God is in control of that. It has a purpose. Right. But if there is no purpose, then why? There's no good answer. No good answer. But right now is when we need to learn this and be equipped. Because in the midst of a nine-year-old having cancer... Last thing you want to hear is some preacher walking in going, you know, God's in control, is there? <laughs> That's what I thought. That's why I'm mad. Well, so we need to be equipped. We need to be equipped now, right? And we need to, we need to have this and understand this. And uh, so, so God does ask us to trust what we don't understand. If you're waiting to understand, it's not going to work. Or waiting for it to happen your way. It's not going to work. We're always not understanding everything. Um, how often do our circumstances then pass our abilities, get past our abilities? Our ability to understand, our ability to fix it. I think it's always that way. It's always that way. All of our problems are, are beyond us. And by the way, there's no small mundane thing with God that he doesn't look at and go, that's important. The big things and the small things are all the same to him. You realize that? <laughs> so he cares about you in every little circumstance. You can trust him. Psalm 46, then. And I want to work our way to verse 10. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I never read this without thinking about Jim Gaylor. He quoted this so many times to me. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I remember one time, I'll give you a good example of this. It just, I don't know if it's that profound or not, but Gary McGee's dad was, and I've told this story before, I think, and he was pulling a, a fence post up out of the ground with a tractor on a chain about 20 feet long, and it was made out of oil field pipe. And he pulled and pulled, and finally it came loose, and that swung around the chain tight, swung all the way around, and clocked him right in the face. And if it had been just a little bit higher or lower, it could have killed him. But it hit him right here in the nose and broke his whole face. And he said blood just gushed out all over the tractor. And he, what he, he said, God help me. He said, you don't have time to pray a bunch of stuff. God help me. And I think of that when I think of this. He's a very present help in trouble. You can call out for him. and He'll be there. He will be there. He may not do things your way. But just knowing he's there. 
knowing he's helping means a lot, and he promises to do that. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttereth his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. There are two things that I've been in a it may sound like I'm really gathering a lot, and I am, to bring this. I want you to get this one thought, ultimately. But it's just personal. I'm just sharing with you. There's two things that I've noticed in my ministry that ruffles people's feathers that I've taught and preached over the years. And I mean Christians, pe- Christian people. One is, and I'm lumping these together, the unconditional love of God and the unconditional forgiveness on you. It's conditioned on Christ, but not you. God's love for you is unconditional. I mean, there's zero you can do or will do. There's nothing you can do to change it, period. He forgives you. Can't take that back. You're always forgiven. People are afraid, really afraid to step out and say, all my sins are completely forgiven forever, no matter what I do. Well, people don't like it. They cringe. Like, You mean you can just sin all you want? Not when the grace of God's working in my life. I don't want to sin. That's another thing. God takes care of that in another way. That's what happens in my experience. But what happened for me on my behalf is a whole other thing. And I stand in that, and nothing can change that. That ruffles some people's feathers. But I, let me tell you what, you need to believe that. You need to believe that, that the Lord paid for all of your sins. You're completely forgiven, and he loves you no matter what, no matter how stupid. You can't be stupid enough to make him stop loving you. And I'm very thankful for that. And there's nothing, nothing can happen. He loved you before, and he knew you before he saved you. Just think about that. <laughs> You're better now than you were then, so you, he, he's got you, and he loves you. Number two is the sufficiency, and that's where this come down, comes down to. And I put these two together also. The sufficiency of the word of God and the sufficiency of Christ in your life. There's something about Christians that want to get something supplemental outside of God's word to help understand God's word or to help, you know, deal with you. Like, like I said, study of human behavior. This is the way Dan behaves. Well, I know what he's going to do if he says this or if this happens, and, and I know how to fix that. He, here's, here's how to stop doing that. Here's a list of things to do. You can stop doing that. Now, that's all good and well if we're not talking about the word of God and faith and trusting God <laughs> to get through something. It's a lot different. It's stop. It's all about stopping, resting, trusting God. What does his word say? Not you go do, 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 do. There's plenty of do in the Bible, and we have responsibility to do things. But I'm talking about the issues of life. We need God to help us, and his word is 100% sufficient. All scriptures give my inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The law of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple, right? The law of God is sufficient in every single way. The word of God is everything we need for the issues and the circumstances of life. Then on top of that, Christ is sufficient. 
The Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient. You are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and all powers. He has the preeminence. He's the head of everything. He is. You're complete in him. Everything you've ever needed is in Christ. Everything you need today is in Christ. Everything you're ever going to need in the future is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, beware of philosophy and vain deceit, traditions of men, the, the rudiments of the world, the basic teachings of the world. Why? Because you're complete in Christ. And all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the word of God is sufficient. You don't need any other supplemental information in order to help you with the circumstances and the issues of life. You don't need anyone else besides Christ to get you through. And there he is. And that's where we're headed with this be still. That's the next level beyond just give it to the Lord and trust the Lord with it. That's good. That's what that means. That's an Old Testament interpretation. You look at Psalm 46 and you say, be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the heathen. Be still. That's Yes, stop. Give your problems to God. Trust him. Trust, give it up to him and leave it there. And you've heard people tell you that your whole life. That's, that's true. But when you come to the New Testament, we have so much light in the gospel. We know the Lord Jesus Christ. We know who Jehovah is now. We really know him. That's on a personal relationship. We're sons of God now by faith. We have a familial relationship with God. And, and when we come to the New Testament and we see that in Jesus Christ, then be still takes on another level. That means be still and recognize. The one that died for you at Calvary, the one that gave his life for you, sits in heaven on a throne, watching over you, interceding every minute, and you have a personal relationship with him. If you get out of this, you're going to start losing that. He's saying, hey, trust me. He's like my mom. Look, look, look. Here, give me your attention. Look to me. Keep looking to me. Everything, you know, I'll take care of everything. Keep looking to me. And what happens when, we're, when we try to fix things, we try to get outside of being still and knowing that he is God. And this whole, this whole psalm here tells us all the powers that he has to take care of everything. Whenever we do that, we lose a part of that relationship with Christ. It's all about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ now. And that's what being still is. And we can't be still in the New Testament age without thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. We each have a personal relationship with him, and that's the, the great point. And he's sufficient to deal with all the circumstances of life. And the things in our life are not so complicated. They're not so complicated that we have to find other information. Why is it that you go to the you know, Mardell's or a Bible bookstore, and they got all these books on a shelf, and you go back a couple years later, and they got a whole new set of books? Why? Because those other ones aren't any good. If they were good, you wouldn't need them. And I'm not saying it's altogether bad, okay? I'm not saying don't read books. I'm just saying it's just not sufficient. The Word of God is. The Word of God is sufficient. I'm not saying you can't learn some things. But it better be pointing you to God's Word, or it's not going to do you any good. If it's something extra, it's not, it's not what you need. It's, the word is sufficient. Christ is sufficient. We don't need anything other than that. And that's, the, that's what being still is because to not be still is to start looking outward, you know, start thinking, what, what else can I do? How can I do this? I'm going to reason this out. How many times do you sit down, if you're me, if you're like me, that may just be me, get a piece of paper, write down the problem. Okay, what's the possibilities here? 
What about which angle am I going to come at this? Sit. Okay, I could do this, or I could do this, or I could do this, or I could do this, and truly watch his hand move. I remember, and I, I was nowhere near understanding what he was saying. But when I was really young, Brother Roy Smith used to tell me, he'd say, "Teach your children to trust God, and whenever you're doing something, let them know what you're doing and everything you're doing, and let and and trust Him." And watch his hand move. He used that phrase a lot. Watch God's hand move. Well, if you're going to watch God's hand move, you've got to stop. And watch it move. And now I'm beginning to realize what he meant. Oh, he will actually come into your situation, your circumstance, and actually start working things in a way you never imagined. And you look at it and go, that's God. That's got to be God. But if you keep monkeying with it, You stay frustrated. You try to figure out how to fix it. He's not going to do that. Because he can't, because you're in the way. Be still. Stop. Doesn't mean don't get out of bed in the morning. This means by faith in your heart. Trust. Stop in the midst of the swirling storm. Realize there's a shield around you. He's a refuge. Don't get out of that. Stay in that refuge. And look to him. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know who he is now in the New Testament. You know who he is. Talk to him. And, and he, will, he will help you. Uh, think about this. If I was to write it out on a chart here, right? God made you. God chose you to save you. God sent his son to save you. What would you do for him to make you? What would you do to cause him to choose you, to set his affection on you? You better than the other people? Okay. And then what did you do to redeem yourself from your sins? Or did Christ do all that before you were ever born, right? Okay. Then over here, do we have a guarantee of glorification? We're going to be raised in the resurrection? Do you believe that? Are you trusting you to bring yourself up or him? So what's wrong with this little section here? Why can't he take care of this, where you're living now? If he does all this other stuff, well, this is where, where I'm at. This is hard. <laughs> Harder than raising the dead? <laughs> Harder than, than dying on a cross? Harder than creating you? It's not. He has that. He's got it all, all the way from the beginning to the end. And that's the idea. Still. And that's the whole idea of this psalm. When it talks about... Though the waters roar in trouble, the hurricane coming across the water, a tsunami, or the earth is shaking, turned upside down, giant earthquake, whatever it is, stop. You realize he's got that? That's him. He's, under, he's got it all under control. So that, that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Is he capable of doing that? Does he care enough? Will he do it? That's what all this is saying. Notice here, I want to show you a couple of things. Verse 4. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. My understanding is this is the same lesson that Brother Jeff Harris gave Sunday night on Hezekiah when he had 185,000 men coming up against him and there's no hope and the city was being besieged. You know, when they were being besieged, if they had a, a well that Hezekiah had dug... Inside of Jerusalem, there was a stream, <laughs> and they had plenty of water. 
the Syrians thought they were starving them out. But they weren't. And the devil may be thinking he's starving you out, this world, the circumstances of your life. There's a stream. There's a stream there that, they, that, that all that doesn't know about. And that's the Lord. When he, he talked to the woman at the well, he told her there would be a, a, a stream of life, a, a flow, flowing, living water flowing. And we have that in the Lord. And then it says the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Well, when you, when you see anything in the Old Testament about the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High, you can, you can point to the church. That's a picture of the church in the New Testament. And it says God is in the midst of her. The tabernacle in the Old Testament wasn't called a her. Why is it called a her here? Because it's pointing to the church. That's you. And it says he's in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Let me ask you now on a personal level. How are we still here as a church? Did we do that? <laughs> I don't think I did. <laughs> I did everything I can to mess it up. But the Lord's kept us, right? And here it says, God shall be in the midst of her and shall not, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. What's our part in that? Be still. Stop. Trust him. It's above your pay grade. You can't do it. Stop trying. Now, I'm not the example. I'm the teacher. I'm trying. I shouldn't be teaching anything that I, I haven't. I'm applying it to my life. I just hadn't perfected it by any means. But the idea is to stop and trust the Lord with it. I wish I could say more, but we're running out of time. Is God enough to help us if we simply look to him? Is it enough? Can we stop and take ourselves out of it and let him deal with it, whatever it is? If we are equipped to do that, whenever the next trial comes in your life, think like this. Stop. If you don't stop and pray and look to him, you're not going to get through it very well. It's going to have to be, it's going to, have to be him to do it. And he's, he's sufficient. And uh, I guess we'll just we'll stop right there. Um, if you read on down, though, let me, let, me, let me just go through the rest of this just real quick. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. So what, what's that talking about? All the, the people of the world, nations, countries, fighting, raging against one another. Well, the Lord, he can just speak and melt the earth. And it says, the Lord of hosts is with us. It means that he's with you, he's in you, he's above you, he's below you, he's upholding you with everlasting arms. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Whenever you see Jacob, it represents the 12 tribes of Israel, but it also represents somebody that didn't deserve to be saved. The God of Jacob, the God that saves the ones that aren't worthy. He'll be with you. It says, come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolation he hath made in the earth. Just think about what he's done in the past. Think about him swallowing up Pharaoh in the Red Sea. Think about the flood, Noah's flood. He makes wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow. He cutteth the spear asunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Whenever one army's beating the other one, that's the Lord. He raises up kingdoms. He puts kingdoms down. That's our God. So the psalmist is building all that up for us. And he says, be still. Be still. That's the one that you have. And know that I am God. I'm over all these things. Can I handle you? 
I keep the planets in line. I give the kingdoms to whoever I want to. I control the waves of the ocean. Same words, by the way, at least in the English. But Jesus said, peace, be still. And there's your example. In the New Testament, what happened? By the way, and it was uh, Brother James Spradling at church camp one year. I never thought of it this way. He said, when Jesus said, peace, be still to the storm on the Sea of Galilee, it didn't just go like this and calm down. It went dead still. Can you imagine? <laughs> That's why they fell on their face. Dead still, Brother Larry. Amen. Amen. I can't say anything better than that. 